0: All right, freaks, throwing the ads in the beginning of this episode, this episode of the Rabbit Hole Recap, this edition of Rabbit Hole Recap, whatever you want to refer to it as, is brought to you by the Cash App, all right? As you freaks know... Uh, Cash App is the easiest way to uh, stack sats in the, in the States, and now it's going to be the simplest way to help you grow your money. Introducing Cash App Investing it probably doesn't need to be introduced anymore. We've been introducing it every week for quite a while now, so you should be aware of it. And again, don't get angry, all right? The option is there. You can stack slivers of stocks if you want to. Unlike investing uh, tools that only let you buy entire shares of stocks, Cash App Investing is letting you buy as little as $1. So when your favorite stock is just a little too expensive, if you want to buy it, you can buy as little as $1. You don't have to buy the whole stock. I know Tesla was running up this week. Somebody actually tweeted at us that they were happy that they were able to DCA into Tesla. Um, using the Cash App, once they ins- introduced, they were
1: stacking stocks.
0: They were stacking stocks of Tesla and Sats. All right, if you don't want to stack the stocks, you don't have to. Um, because Cash App is directly connected to your bank account, there are no four to five day waiting periods for inbound transfers. So you can start investing today. Brokerage services are provided by Cash App Investing, a subsidiary of Square, a member SIPC. As always, as always, use the code stacking Sats. All right, if you have not used the code stacking Sats, if you do not have the Cash App, and you, if you're worried about KYC Bitcoin. And you don't want to like buy from a KYC exchange, you just download the Cash App anyway because you get incredible deals with the Boost program and all that. Use the code Stacking SATS. You're gonna get ten dollars and then ten dollars is gonna to go to our friends at Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Stacking Sats. Go to your local app store today and download it. And it would be remiss if we didn't shout out our great friends at Unchained Capital who have been with us for quite a while now. They're an incredible team working on Bitcoin financial services for you freaks out there. If you're Bitcoiners looking to not sell your Bitcoin, they're going to do many things for you. One, again, if you don't want to sell your Bitcoin and you want to get uh, liquid, they have their uh, Bitcoin collateralized loans. You can put Bitcoin in a multi-sig where you have control of one key and they can't move it off the exchange unless you sign it. Uh, or off of unchained, excuse me, unless you sign it, uh, you could use that Bitcoin as collateral again to get US dollar liquidity loans so you don't have to sell your Bitcoin. And then on top of that, already mentioned they have incredible multi sig products that are helping you with private or security um and with their multisig. So you can engage in a multi sig quorum with Unchained in which they'll hold a key and you can hold uh two others or whatever the N of M uh setup is if you ever need cash or not cash up if you ever need Unchained to sign uh, for you to move your coins, there, there for you. And on top of that, they're doing incredible work in the Good. open source space. Uh, their multi-sig quorum setup has been open sourced in the in the uh, form of Caravan. So if you don't want Unchained in the quorum, they've open sourced their solution for you. You can do it yourself. Use multiple wallets. I believe they're working on cold card integration as well. Um, and then on top, of, damn time. on top of that, they've got Slip39, Hermit. And as we mentioned in this episode, you'll hear... Uh, Parker Los is doing some incredible uh, blogging on Gradually Then Suddenly. Go read the shit. www.unchained-capital.com. That's unchained-capital.com. Enjoy this episode. It was a long rip. We had a lot of fun. Okay. Coronavirus, is it?
1: Are we live? Yeah, is it hype? Is it real? You seem to be freaking out this week, Marty. I've been going back and forth. range of emotions here. I thought we were all chill ending RHR last week and now. I don't know, man. What's, re- what's really going on out there? Do we have to be worried? Are you happy that I brought you masks like a good
0: friend? I am. I am. I didn't even know it was for that. I thought you just had extras laying around. You're just like, hey, here.
1: Well, I mean, I had extras from like the last freak out. Ebola? Like, you don't buy the masks now when everyone's freaking out. You just... You fucked up. Masks are too expensive. You might as well just die. Like I feel like <laughs> who wants to buy the top of yeah. the mask
0: market? The mask market's gone crazy, right? You see that Japanese mask producer stock?
1: Yeah. So like after this settles down, you should go out and buy, you know, like fifty and ninety five masks just to have. Just to just have a good thing to have. I think Ragnar just tweeted this. It's uh, better to be a
0: year early than a day late.
1: Yeah, I and mean, then you kinda it kinda uh, you get the feeling this is like similar to what like type some type of like hyper bitcoinization event might feel like where like everyone's just scrambling to buy bitcoin and they're fomoing and the price goes up very good point um but yeah i it seems like this might not be just our typical flu scare right yeah uh
0: though i don't uh not doctors we're not doctors we're not doctors and though i don't Respect to his shit coinery. That dude, Crypto Bitlord, is in Beijing right now. He posted a, a video in the streets of Beijing at rush hour. It was completely empty.
1: So they're freaking out.
0: Yeah, and like that's the other thing. Like, and the Chinese
1: must be lying about the numbers. Exactly. Right? That's so. That's the thing that's freaking me out. Like, what so, you what you know, are the real numbers? And the numbers we know are not great, right? And, yeah, it's worse than SARS, but SARS really wasn't that bad, right? Yeah,
0: but then you also have to take in consideration, like, what's it like? Forty to fifty thousand people die from the flu every
1: year. Yeah. And like people just die in cars all the time. Yeah. Are we,
0: uh, are we freaking out? Are we not freaking out enough? I don't know. I don't know.
1: I'm confused. This is like one instance where I'm like very confused. Did you see Pom's picture? (laughs) Yeah. On the plane. He's like, I'm taking zero risk or whatever. And he was wearing like the cheapest mask ever. As lax as possible. Yeah. Supposedly the masks help more for if someone's infected, they won't infect other people than yeah. actually protecting you. And you don't want to rub your eyes. People shouldn't rub their Wash eyes. Wash your hands as much as possible. Use eye drops if your eyes are itchy. My eyes are itchy just talking about it. Now I can't rub them.
0: I've been washing my hands a lot. Do you think it's in New York yet?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're the center of the world, man. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the scary part is if it's actually true that there's a 15-day incubation period without showing symptoms, you can pass it on. Then that's that's like the key. That's the that's always the key variable that really makes these things easy to spread. I saw like this hype cycle around the start of what like seven days
0: ago. So we probably have another week until uh, symptoms begin showing, or within a week, symptoms in some major I mean, there's two cases in LA that were uh, discovered today, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, people are freaking out. I don't know. I I don't want to, like, jinx it, but I, I, I tend to uh, question the hysteria. But, yeah. Um, it's good to be prepared. Well, yeah,
0: especially uh, considering the hysteria is perfectly timed uh, for an excuse for a global economic slowdown, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right.
0: Oh, it was coronavirus, wasn't it? We shitty... would have
1: just kept pumping if the coronavirus didn't hit us.
0: Yeah, that's what they're going to say.
1: If it actually... We might just keep pumping, though. I don't know. I don't know. I'm freaks. Electronic costs are going to go up, you know, because of everything's slowing down in China. So they sh- they
0: sh- shut down Foxconn.
1: Going to run a node. You should get your supplies now. At least if you want to do it in the short term. The, I mean, the, look, the big thing, what, what do they say? They said it's like 2% fatality. Um, The big thing is, is like be a healthy person. Like maybe the most positive thing people can get out of this is you know like take care of yourself going forward like the best like better than a mask is like being a healthy individual it's a very good point uh, your immune system is much better when you're when you're working yeah. out eating correctly so like if you want to freak out fine but like be healthier yeah
0: i need to sleep more i haven't been sleeping yeah
1: sleep more marty um be healthier i've been
0: watching i mean I, I live a pretty healthy lifestyle i work out i eat healthy I he works it. out guys <laughs> I'm jacked, yoked, yeah, uh, honestly, very confused, I've spoken with a lot of people who are very scared, uh, I've spoken with a lot of people who are very skeptical, I don't have all the information, I don't know, I do not know, um, that was our thoughts on the coronavirus, uh, let's go to more pleasant things, we have a shout out this week, shout out to our boy, CK Snarks, CK under, underscore Snarks, Oh, fuck yes. Of the POV crypto podcast. Remind the freaks that Bitcoin is an anti-fragile beast and it thrives in chaos. Almost everything is good for Bitcoin, including the coronavirus. I mean, it has been pumping this week.
1: Did he put coronavirus in there or no. is he just insinuating it? No, this was, uh, this was sent like right after last week's
0: podcast. The coronavirus was insinuating
1: even... it. Yeah.
0: Coronavirus was uh, just, just starting to take off
1: there. You heard it here first, freaks. CK thinks coronavirus is good for Bitcoin.
0: It's his words, not ours. <laughs>
1: Um, well like I joked about it last time and uh and then the Financial Times released their, their bullshit ass uh oh my Alphaville God. uh post where they quoted the XRP people saying that we're crazy for saying it's good for Bitcoin. Yeah. But yeah that what's her name? I forget her name, it's not a memorable name. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean the Ripple shields came out
0: saying it was bullish for Bit- Ripple. Specifically, and then they took that and said it was
1: Bitcoin or saying that. It and then we had Bitcoin. Nathaniel Popper had a bullshit FUD Bitcoin article. Uh, Bitcoin's been s- s- dying a slow death last three months, except for criminals. Criminals use it, and then like buried in it, it was like less than 1% of usage is the listed usage. Yeah, and then he then
0: he like pumped a chart that's showing overall US dollar volume uh, of Bitcoin exchanged on these dark markets, comparing it to 2015 when Bitcoin's market cap was significantly smaller. So if you're even talking about like percentage of overall usage, it seems to have fallen, actually.
1: The problem with journalists like Nathaniel Popper is they grant... What? I love this tweet. They fucking grandstand about not buying Bitcoin because they'll have bias. And then they sit there and they watch it go 100x and they become salty as fuck and they inherently get bias. The other direction, yeah. Like, I remember I presented in front of a bunch of GE executives um, in like 2014, 2015. And, and it was like part of a FinTech week where they were they were getting all these um, presentations, you know, to learn about new FinTech. And me and Popper were invited to present on the Bitcoin side of things. And I gave them like a full red pill presentation about uh, how you could send payments to Iran and sanctions couldn't stop you and shit. And they did not like that at all. They just, it was actually, I was still young Bitcoiner and I was learning, you know, you have to frame it properly for your audience or whatever. And Popper was there and he was shilling his digital gold book that he released, right? Right up here on my bookshelf. Yeah. So he wrote this book about Bitcoin. He called out the main value prop in the title, digital gold, you know, way ahead of a lot of these Silicon Valley people, but he didn't buy any. And he was, at that point, he was grandstanding about not owning any, you know? And here we are, and it probably just eats him up inside. Hey, Nathaniel, if you're listening, it's never too late
0: to buy. You could buy a fraction of a Bitcoin, I hope. You know, I know the New York Times may not be paying you that well, but eh, I don't know what your salary is. I'm kidding.
1: I think the responsible thing for journalists that cover Bitcoin is if they get Bitcoin, then it makes sense. Like, once you start to understand Bitcoin, you just want to accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible. So if they're covering Bitcoin, of course they're going to want to accumulate Bitcoin. They should just admit it, just buy some, and just give a disclosure that you own some. Yeah, disclosure. We own some Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's sad to see, like especially the, the two New York Times journalists, him and Vigna, have.
1: Uh, he also didn't buy any, I think. Yeah, and then Casey got completely red pilled. Yeah, now he's Michael like, Casey. Isn't he an editor at CoinDesk now? I don't know where he is now, but. I think he was with MIT helping with their digital currency initiative for a little bit. I
0: think he might, Why do I think he's at Coindesk? I might be wrong on
1: this. But he's all the way down the rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Two different routes you can take.
0: Just think about the, uh, the information you're getting from the mainstream, uh, specifically when it pertains to Bitcoin. You have people who may be a little butthurt that they didn't get on the train uh, when they knew more than most of the world. Um, we're going to throw the ads in at the end.
1: We'll put them in the front. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I just, I thanks again, CK, for the yeah the shout out. Shout out. Always, I love the shout outs, freaks. Uh, they make me happy. It's not even like about the money. It's just I get happy when we get the shout outs. Um, CK has a podcast, POV Crypto Pod, uh, which the worst part about that podcast is the name, because I hate the name Crypto, and they have a lot of ETH guests on it. His co-host is an is an ETH head. Um, David Hoffman, but I went on that podcast, and it's a really good battle of ETH versus Bitcoin, so you should go check out that episode.
0: Yeah, go peep that. And we
1: also got to give a shout out to uh, the man
0: who uh, provided us with the beers we're currently uh, enjoying right now, at Justin Filson on, on Twitter.
1: And we got bottle openers too, right? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're over there. I love it. Yeah, I love when you freak send us send us random shit. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, we have a Wall Street address too. We're, we're in the belly of the beast. The
1: big leagues. Yeah.
0: Have we been corrupted I think so um, all right let's jump into it um big week uh, specifically with coin joins and uh, people getting flagged by exchanges for uh engaging in coin joins after they move their UTXOs off exchange it's
1: another withdrawal flag a withdrawal flag deposit flag so
0: i we wrote I wrote about this earlier this week there was a uh, uh a Bitcoiner, Ronald McHoddled, on on
1: <laughs> that's his his born name, his birth name on his birth certificate has that.
0: His Ronald McHoddled, <laughs> and uh, now uh, he uh, he tagged Matt, myself, and uh, Jeff Andrew in a tweet in which he showed a, uh, a, s- a screenshot of an email he got from Paxos, which is a Bitcoin exchange. Not very popular. It's the first time I've like heard Paxos in the news in quite a while.
1: Paxos has the stablecoin that's they're popular for. Yeah.
0: Um. So apparently. You're not allowed to do what you want with your Bitcoin once you own the keys. Fortunately, that's not how Bitcoin works. But the level of chain analysis here is alarming. What is the correct response? That was his tweet, and so essentially uh, that started a whole thread and a conversation. And we uh, came to to know that he sent Bitcoin off an exchange to a private wallet, a personal wallet that was not involved with CoinJoin. He did one hop uh, to a personal wallet that he controlled, and then he sent it to Wasabi. um, And then he mixed. And then he mixed.
1: So he did do the one-hop technique, which is what a lot of people... Well, first of all, Ronald Mc- McHuddled is a great name. Second of all, the people he tagged, two podcasters and a lawyer. That's like a nice ratio for this type of situation. Yeah, I like uh, that. I uh, So he did the one-hop thing. And actually, he had to do the one-hop thing in this case because Paxos doesn't send to 32 addresses. Yeah, so uh, he had to do one-hop anyway. Uh, so he had the idea with the one hop is you have some plausible deniability. Maybe you sent it to someone else and then they withdrew. But it appears that he was practicing, you know, best practices when using one of these KYC exchanges, and he was withdrawing every time through the same method. So like, really, you don't really get plausible deniability if every single withdrawal goes one hop and then goes to Wasabi. Um, this is the fourth time a Wasabi transaction has been flagged um recently it's the second one recently i think there was a paxful one there's a bitfinex one there was a binance binance singapore and then there was this one yes and the key here is i'm pretty sure that the flagging that's happening is uh based on the fixed wasabi fee address which we've talked about in the past so Wasabi uses this fixed address. And because they use this fixed address, every every transaction that goes through their coin join, pretty much every, some don't pay the fee, but pretty much every transaction that goes through the coin join pays the Wasabi coordinator fee. Um, and it's at least party to the transaction that pays the Wasabi coordinator fee. Um, so it's one step away from a lot of, alleged criminal activity specifically in this case recently it has been this plus token uh ponzi scheme um which also paid the wasabi fee so in chain analysis tools you're one hop away now there's some nuance here yes you can still see on chain that a wasabi transaction happened if they didn't have the fixed fee address but the thing is these exchanges you know, part of the way anti-money laundering laws are written is they're supposed to make a best attempt at policing suspicious activity. And there is absolutely no plausible deniability for them if you're paying this fixed fee address every time. If if on their chain analysis software it comes up that you're two hops away from the plus token scam, then they have to ask questions. They can't, like, turn a blind eye. I think... Of course, there will still be exchanges that block coin join, you know, transactions with the coin join history. I'm, you know, KYC laws suck. Uh, Regulatory overreach sucks. That probably will still happen. But way more will not be able to turn a blind eye to this fixed fee address. It's low hanging fruit. It needs to be removed. We've been very vocal about it lately, but I've been talking to them about it for like six months, eight months now, and it's still fucking in there. And it's extremely frustrating. Yeah, especially
0: um, especially for us as we we've pumped wasabi in the past we and the
1: shit out of wasabi I'm a user as a user of wasabi it's fucking annoying um so really like if you're going to if you're going to wasabi after uh after you so so in this case if he's pulling off every single time Paxos maybe has a little bit of of Bitcoin or funds that he has on his exchange wallet, but you can kind of walk away. Uh, you know that's why you have to keep withdrawing, always be withdrawing, so the amount of money you have on these exchanges, if they decide to freeze your account, is is minimized. But really, like the best practices is probably going into Whirlpool first and then going to Wasabi, um, and at that point you might as well just stay in Whirlpool. So it's like I don't know. It's it's extremely frustrating and but but this is a concern that everyone... you should always assume that this could happen whether it's a deposit or whether it's a withdrawal that's that a, that uh a, that a coin that has some has some coin joint history in its past um you know might get flagged and they might ask more questions you know but i i don't and we this is confirmed too by the way because Paxos responded on Twitter which was an interesting tactic by them so yeah, um, i was actually
0: surprised to see that
1: yeah so they've essentially confirmed it um but yeah, I, I don't, you know, or if not Whirlpool uses the, you know, joint market, which is more advanced, but.
0: Yeah, so there's um, a little bit more nuance to this. Apparently there's uh, like a, a consortium of exchanges oh, yeah. that have joined uh, a regulatory uh, band, I guess you could say, and the CIOS exchanges and BitLite, BitLicense exchanges. And but These are two different groups. Two different groups, yes. Uh, but it seems like. Uh, exchanges that are that are reaching out to regulators saying hey we're going to cooperate uh with these particular uh with the bit license but uh, so
1: what do they call that group they called it the participate yeah partnership group participate group
0: yes that group
1: one. participate our boy 6102 bitcoin created a coin join flagging uh hub uh that shows all the flags that have happened that we know about and list them based on these working groups that they have. Um, so as Marty said, there's a, the people that are involved in the Bit License, which Paxos is one of them. Um, and then there's the people that are part of the CIOS exchanges. Um, and the CIOS exchanges, that came out relatively recently. Uh,
0: yeah, it was like under the radar until like nobody knew about it until 6102 surfaced it.
1: Uh, well, it was in an article that was released uh, Couple days ago, and he picked it up and started publicizing it. The members include Scotia Bank, Binance, Bitfinex, Chain Analysis, Bitfury, BitPay, Paxful, Blockchain Anni- uh, Alliance, Cyphertrace, and Elliptic.
0: Yeah. Nah, nah. Ugly bedfellows there, and so that begs the question: Is this an inherent flaw in Bitcoin, or is it an inherent flaw in the uh, touching of the traditional financial, or where the points at which Bitcoin touches the traditional financial system? Uh, which is an interesting debate to have. Obviously, we've talked about this plenty of times on this podcast. Today, we think I can say this confidently for a man. I think we believe that Bitcoin's fungibility assurances are a bit subpar at the moment. They can definitely get better, but with that being said. This is also a product of the regulations that are in place. What well, and I think I'm confident in saying that Matt would agree with this too. That uh, the KYC AML regulations are a bit arduous They're and dangerous. Very They're dangerous. not effective. Yes,
1: and and if if I mean the perfect example here is if we if if we lived in this theoretical perfect circular Bitcoin economy where you don't buy Bitcoin, you spend it, and you don't sell Bitcoin. Uh, no, you don't sell Bitcoin. You spend it. You don't buy Bitcoin. You, you earn it. You receive it. it yeah. Um, then, then we, you don't have these issues. It's where fiat comes in, into pictures. Then all of a sudden, you have these super regulated entities um, that do have to make a best attempt. That's why it's so frustrating when the Wasabi people say, "Oh, you can detect a Wasabi coin join anyway without the fixed fiat address." It's like it's all about, you know, playing the game here. You know, like no one wants to interact with KYC services, but if you are, they have to play the game, you have to play the game, and no one can really say what's happening out loud. Um, and, and just f- without a doubt, definitively flagging every single wasabi transaction as a wasabi transaction by using that fixed fee address is like the worst fucking practice ever.
0: Yeah. And it, it's really frustrating because, um, Again, like the, the KYC AML regulations are extremely arduous, uh, overarching in my opinion. And uh, one of the my favorite takes under uh, Ronald McCoddle's threads um, was by a Twitter account, NoisyMouse27F. And he said, imagine taking cash out of an ATM and then swap the notes with same amount of value with a stranger on the street and a banker jumping out of nowhere and tells you that you're not permitted to do that. It's essentially what happened.
1: But I mean... The bankers, the regulators would tell you that if they had that capability, they would absolutely do it. Really? Yeah. If they could, if they could actually police you swapping cash on the street, they would absolutely police that. All right. So think about this. They want to police every, that's why I feel like we all agree on that. Like that's not really that productive to me uh, because they don't fucking care. Like there's no, there's no reasoning uh, with regulators in this regard.
0: Yeah. Well. Well, and then that's a good segue into the next point I wanted to make. Let's think about who these regulators are. These are alphabet soup organizations like the Financial Action Task Force, which is a task force of unelected bureaucrats who decide when and when you cannot move money around the world. Again, unelected bureaucrats. Nobody elected these people to write these laws. They are just formed by the banking system and then forced on people. So these. Again, unelected bureaucrats are trying to control how you can spend money. Like, wake the fuck up, people. This is the state of the world today. You, you plebs, have no control. You have no agency over your life. And if you try to take agency over your life and try to get privacy with your Bitcoin, they will try to stop you. They want to control the way you move money, they want to control your actions. They don't want you to take agency of your life. We need people to start speaking up against this. And this is why we do this podcast and the newsletter it's it's getting to a dire point i think
1: um and it's, it's untenable long term because you know we can't expect like regular bitcoin merchants to be doing chain analysis on all the fun if if, if that ever hits that point like the, the fear that people have where you know you have blacklisted bitcoin and non-blacklisted bitcoin like bitcoin has failed it is worthless at that point um so if 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 there are somehow effective at, at trying to police this and enforce this, which I don't think they would be, then Bitcoin will adapt and evolve or die. Like, that's what will happen, whether that's pr- protocol improvements or whether that's tools built on the side. Like, there's a natural incentive to make that happen because otherwise Bitcoin won't have any... If, if people can't... It doesn't matter if you want to privately spend Bitcoin. If people can't privately spend Bitcoin, it's done. Yeah, and... No, it's the and I'm hard optimistic, truth. Fortunately, but like people need to fucking care about it. Like people should realize. Like I, I don't. If Cash App disclosure, they're a sponsor. Cash App. If Cash App started blocking my account because I, I everything I withdraw from Cash App, I coin join. Uh, you know, originally it was, was was with it was with Wasabi. Now it's with Whirlpool. If if they decide to block my account then I will say good riddance and I'll stop using them and I will move to another service. And if if it keeps happening, then I will make something work, you know, but there is no situation here where I'm going to stop doing it.
0: No. And that, well, that's brings up another good point. Like more people need to start doing it. And the, the concept of taint every UTXO, not like taint, in the regulator's view, is bad, but it can also be good if it's just, hey, this is normal. Normalizing coin joining is what we should do. So we need more bull bitcoins out there,
1: that, and that's what I like What sixty one hundred two said, he's like, what can you do to help coin join your funds? What else can you do to help? Whenever you spend Bitcoin, spend coin join funds, right? And uh, spread them out. Yeah, and it's no, it's it's getting. Yeah, if the, the war is
0: on, freaks. It's here. It's upon us. Uh, speak up. That's the thing. A lot of people just don't speak up. It, it could be simple, a simple action as saying, "Hey, I, as an individual, uh, should be innocent until proven guilty. I should be allowed to have financial privacy. It is my money. I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want with but
1: it." There's another element here, right? So, like, if the guy responds back to Paxos and is like, "Yeah, I did use CoinJoin to protect my my transactional privacy." Uh, Maybe they won't block his account. We don't know that next step, right? Like, they they have to ask a question. Um, He's already fully KYC. They know who he is, right? So I'm curious if he responds and you know admits to it, like because he didn't. It's not in their terms of service, and he didn't uh, commit a crime. So um, it may just be that just simply let us ask more questions. Yeah, Uh, I'm still not cool with that, but you know that that could easily you know just a. Just to tone it back a little bit on that on that note.
0: Yeah, no, and no, um, no, let's not forget these are regulations thrown on these exchanges too. That's it's what I'm saying. They the,
1: have to make a best effort. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they get they get shut down.
0: So go after the regulations, not the people who are forced to enforce them. And this mm-hmm. is all. So this all started with like the Bank Secrecy Act in 1970. Since then, that beginning the early 70s, man, really fucked up the money world uh since the bank security act was was signed in nineteen seventy- uh Dan McCardle brought this up in the thread um, they, It's forced banks and financial institutions to play the role of police and that shouldn 't be the role of these institutions. they should just be people who businesses that handle people 's money the role of enforcement and uh and uh detective work should be Put to law enforcement not these financial institutions Um, so yeah that was a rip on on that instance it's going on you got to speak up
1: and also just we've said this in the past but there's always you know my my DMs are open Um, if you ever have any issues with an exchange or service blocking blocking or flagging a deposit or a withdrawal that is used CoinJoint definitely let us know just send me a DM yeah um, and and we, we, you know, we don't have, we won't say your name or whatever. Like we can keep it as private as you want, um, but just always feel free to reach out.
0: Yeah, and here
1: we segue into how coin joins are getting more sophisticated. Help!
0: Uh, we got a couple articles from the incredible technical writer writer at Bitcoin Magazine, Aaron Van Weirdom, who's been on this beat for quite a while. And putting up, like
1: Popper, actually bought
0: Bitcoin. <laughs> yes, Aaron. I mean. Yeah, Most of you freaks, I'm pretty sure, are aware of who he is. But if you're not, he's one of the best technical journalists out there uh, when he's it comes Aaron to the Van
1: point. W. on Twitter, right? Yes, yes. Follow on him.
0: Um, so he's got two articles, uh, one on PaySwap, which is a privacy proposal, which is... By
1: Z-Man. We talked about that. We mentioned it briefly uh, oh. with the Matt and ValPod. Yeah. So... Um, which, if you haven't listened to, you should go listen yeah, to that. Yeah, definitely podcast.
0: go check that out, MoneyPod. So, we're going to link to that. He's also got a piece, uh, an updated piece on a CoinJoin proposal uh, that was actually dropped in 2017. But I guess there's some updates, or he just wanted to refresh people's memories. Knapsack. Um, I admittedly am not. Um, well, so
1: Knapsack a- came back up because of Cash Fusion, which was a similar proposal that just came out. Uh, PaySwap is like kind of similar to PayJoin. We'll start with that. Uh, but with pay join uh, just to refresh the freaks mind pay join is when you pay the res- you you pay someone when you when I, you go to
0: a merchant you pay them they create an output you create it doesn't an have output. to be a merchant but yeah. yeah yeah you just both create outputs so you mix your change together
1: it's a coin join transaction between you and the merchant um, it, in merchant situation works really well because both pay swap and pay join you need interactivity you need both people to be online obviously the sender's already online and with BTC pay the receiver's online, right? So it could work. Um, PaySwap is a slightly different take. With PayJoin, it's one transaction. With PaySwap, it's two independent transactions. So you send uh, a full UTXO to the merchant uh, with no change, and then the merchant sends you another tra- another transaction back, a separate transaction back that includes your change. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it has a higher fee burden and chain burden, um, also, has the same issue as Payjoin, where it needs to be interactive, where it needs to be online, um, but it uses HTLCs in in order to handle that that trust model, where you need to make sure both people send uh, the transaction. With with Payjoin, you know you're signing a, a shared transaction. Yes, uh, there, there's, yeah.
0: So yeah, there's more Coinjoin schemes coming to market, and but
1: okay. the Knapsack and Cash Fusion. Don't I do not think that makes sense to me. I just put it in there because it's a good explanation of what Aaron does a good job. Uh, but cash fusion has, and cash shuffle I think is similar. Has, they've been getting this, these unequal coin join rounds uh, because both pay swap and pay join are unequal, but it's just between you and one other person, and it's a nice just additional privacy improvement that happens. But with knapsack and and cash fusion and cash shuffle, it's it's supposed <coughs> to be like more like these routine rounds like we see with Wasabi and Whirlpool, but instead of equal outputs, it's all outputs of all different amounts. And I don't think the math really makes sense to me. Um, so I would like to see that in like a working implementation um, before I would be convinced of that being effective. But I, there's there's so many nuances, like especially when you go down the rabbit hole of like timing analysis and stuff that can fuck you um, in these Charmian coin join model, you know, Whirlpool and Wasabi where you have... Um, rounds of multiple equal outputs you can still fuck that up post post mix this seems like even easier to fuck up is basically my like I don't see if it actually gives you any kind of practical privacy
0: yeah that's what aaron said in his article knapsack mixing is not quite as private as equal amount mixes equal amount mixes essentially allow for a maximum amount of configurations necessarily more than even the best knapsack mix and perhaps more notably knapsack mixing still allows for some linking of certain inputs and outputs or at least more likely linkages um let's just segue uh, while we're on the topic of coin joins and fungibility and privacy Segue into uh, BIP Taproot, which has been broken down and given broken down into three BIPs, which were given uh, assigned BIP numbers last week BIP 340, BIP 341, and BIP 342. And this would uh, basically uh, lead the way to that believe, Yes, 340 would enable Schnorr signatures. Um, people would begin to create public-private key pairs with SNOR signatures. ECDSA would still be around. Obviously, it's got to be backwards compatible. Uh, BIP 341 would initiate uh, SegWit version 1. We're on SegWit version 0 right now. The way the BEC32 addresses work out, there's 16 versions of uh, uh, SegWit that can be implemented. Um, so we're going to move, uh, in- initiate uh, SegWit version 1.0 in the BEC32 address scheme and uh, that will uh, make it compatible with Schnorr signatures and then BIP342 I believe is the addition of Tapper.
1: Bip, bip, hooray.
0: Bip, bip, hooray. Sorry if you're getting cheesy with that headline. Um, and so these BIPs, if they get implemented into the protocol, uh, would move the ball forward to the path to better fungibility. And one thing we have to be clear, it's not going to be uh like ironclad uh out of the gate peter willow came out there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, uh, sig aggregation that's a lot of people are assuming that's going to be possible not with these bips it's
1: not not cross input yeah cross input aggregation that's what it is um sig aggregation yeah the big the big thing that comes here short term is to distill it down is better uh, cheaper and more private multi-sig and lightning open closes that's what you get. Essentially, yes. So, and there's still
0: things that could be implemented after that to, um, again, provide better fungibility via SIG aggregation.
1: And it's more private in that you can't tell it's a multi-SIG uh, or, or what the configuration of that multi-SIG is. You can't tell if it's like right now, like if you do multi-SIG, you can tell it's a two of two, which is what the lightning open closes are. You can tell if it's a two of seven or a two of five. Now they'll all just look the same. Um, so it doesn't actually give you like any transactional privacy. It, it does. There's so much nuance and other shit. It, of course, it does. Like there's like little indicators that they use to also track your transactions. One of those is, oh, this is a two of seven multisig. This is a one of two multisig. Yes. Yeah,
0: so it certainly helps. Yeah. But again, it's not the end all be all. This is going to be an ongoing battle it's throughout not so time. Not some like
1: massive privacy improvement.
0: No. Um, but the BIPs were signed numbers. They're got to be debated, and that's the one thing Peter said he. He thinks these proposals are sufficient, and it's out of his hands, and the people that worked on those BIPs with him, and it's up to users to debate whether or not they want it implemented into the protocol. So uh, this is time to start the conversation.
1: If you have an issue with Taproot or any of these BIPs, you know, comment underneath our Twitter. Yes, please. I haven't had like I'm, I've been trying to get people to give me I critiques. Heard, yeah. That's why I asked. I asked Matt on the podcast and got, like, offended. Yeah, right? He's like, no, I don't have any issues with taproot. Why are you asking me? I, like, I don't know. because I, I don't either. I was wondering. I, was, no, I, I want to hear the criticism. Yeah, no,
0: that's one thing we talked about on that podcast. Two people are a lot of battle scars from the Segwit implementation. <laughs> um,
1: Definitely go listen to that if you haven't.
0: Yeah. And then uh, another BIP that was assigned a number last week was uh, BIP CTV, Check Template mm-hmm. Verify. Uh, And that's Jeremy Rubin's BIP, which would uh, help um, create a new opcode that would help with covenants and uh, transaction congestion and the mempool and a bunch of other stuff and Bitcoin vaults, most importantly, I think. Uh, And that got assigned BIP 119. I think Jeremy is doing a uh, BIP CTV workshop in San Francisco this weekend as well.
1: And we're sponsoring some of that, right?
0: Yeah, we're buying the lunch for those people. That's so
1: cool. I love doing that shit. Yeah. Um, that makes me happy we're
0: gonna we're gonna buy lunch for for anybody at the op ctv workshop in san francisco this weekend um yeah go check out the episode with jeremy if you haven't already we go over uh that uh, op code in depth it's going to enable a lot of cool things if uh if it's implemented uh, specifically with paying people like if you're a company want to pay people it, it makes that a lot easier and less burdensome on the chain um and let you get very granular with how uh, your transactions are, are pushed through the makes like batching easier, right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes more granular. Um,
1: KYCP.org got a nice refresh update. Have you checked it out? It's from our friends at Samurai. Um, It's a block explorer that gives you kind of chain analysis tools uh, for the people, which is, I would love to see more of.
0: Yeah. It's sexy. Um,
1: KYCP has always been kind of hard to read. To be quite honest, like I loved it, but it's always been difficult. It's now a lot easier to read. It's just everything is cleaner. They have these like Boltzmann tables. Um, yeah, so it's just great. Click on one of the, like the Wasabi transactions or something on the left, or a Whirlpool. It just looks nicer. Everything is cleaner and just easier to read. So, yeah. So it does Boltzmann analysis. Um, well that's their own that they, is a lot sexy. Their own metric that came, they came out. Right? It's so much cleaner now. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to throw that yeah. one in there. kycp.org. Um on to more
0: rosy topics. Our good friend Parker Lewis is putting out incredible content. I think he's got a book's worth of content at this point. Dropped another incredible piece uh towards the end of last week called Bitcoin obsoletes all other money and again, like I, I tweeted this out, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Parker is one of the clearest thinkers I've, I've ever met in my life. And uh, this piece in particular, uh, Bitcoin obsolete's all other money is just a tour de force in, uh, approaching Bitcoin as a monetary good from first principles and why, uh, it is the best money that's ever been created and will likely, um, win the battle for reserve currency. If you believe, uh, in sound money and, uh, goes over why um, fiat currency in its current form today is bastardized and why uh, a world of a 1,000 coins probably isn't really going to be a reality in the future. It's a pretty pretty lengthy piece, but very worthwhile to, to get through it. Um, again, thinking from first principles and understanding uh, the economics behind uh, how a sound money in the digital age would win.
1: Parker's the best. Go read his shit. Yeah. Um, and then more content coming out oh this is fucking
0: dope new chain chain code podcasts our boys jonas and and john newberry over at chain are putting together a podcast a technical podcast uh first guest pretty big one peter woola uh went over have you listened was i no listened to the good i listened to part one yeah
1: i just downed both of them like right away yeah and within within the hour like after the yeah i mean announcement. thank i mean this is great. This this is is I mean, you're talking about the people who
0: this. really understand the, the technical aspects of Bitcoin are, are getting together and talking in depth about it.
1: Go listen. Even if a lot of the shit goes over your head, you'll just absorb some things through os- osmosis. Yeah,
0: And if you're a developer out there, definitely go listen to this. Dude,
1: John's voice is so relaxing to me. <laughs> That's right. I always, it's like therapeutic.
0: <laughs> I DM him after I was like, congrats on the pie, man. Really pumped for you. And he was like, Oh, I hope you don't mind competition. I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to be able to c- compete with your technical prowess. And he's nah. like, he's like, oh, your silky voice, man, I can't compete with that. I'm like, Are you <laughs> kidding me, dude? You got a British accent. People love dude, British accents. I love accents. John's
1: voice. It makes me feel so comfortable. Yeah, I mean, there's simpatico with us. Um, and and I, you know, I will be listening. We will both be listening to every Chain Code podcast episode. So you'll get, you'll get, you'll hear about it in RHR, which is great.
0: Yeah, you'll get a synopsis of of what they're talking about. Yeah.
1: I wish we could compete with Chaincode podcast. Yeah.
0: No. Not too smart enough for that.
1: Peter, come on the pod.
0: Peter, if you're listening, you need to come correct everything I've written about your bips <laughs> and stuff like that. Just come just come on the podcast to yell at me.
1: Yeah, just come correct us. Yeah.
0: Um this is pretty cool. Casa teasing uh Without damn fucking time. Teasing uh uh cold card implementation for their multisig.
1: It's just cold card support on it. It's they're adding PSBT support. Yeah. Um uh so so now you can use Casa Multisig Sig with cold card well not yeah. yet. Yeah, but soon you'll be it. able to make your three of five keys. You can make one cold card, one treasure, one uh ledger. And that's nice because if any individual uh, manufacturer compromises your shit, they can't access your funds. Yes. Um yeah, so just make you know, Casa's for Casa and Unchained are the easiest multi sigs for average users. Uh, and both of them have that that issue that you are using their node um so they do see your transactions and and you have to trust you have to trust them to to verify the blocks according to the proper rules um but besides that you know as if as far as as far as you know non self sovereign options go that's like such a great option i think yeah um especially since a lot of people that choose that would have chosen custody otherwise
0: yeah. Um, yeah so slowly but surely it seems like these things are getting built out things are becoming more interoperable more compatible um, it's just a matter of time it's going to take time freaks this stuff takes time Rome wasn't built in a day
1: getting Cold Guard in there though is fucking close. huge I wanted that within a day yeah um, you, you know you're not building Rome you're just adding Cold card.
0: that's true
1: it, it takes time I takes know, I know. Time. they want to cover all their bases they want to cover engineering their bases. resources
0: you gotta pay people you gotta prioritize you gotta
1: did you get a casa 2 node?
0: Uh, I did not.
1: Do they ship it yet? I believe or you they just did. Didn't get one. or Do you have one coming?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I have not gotten it yet.
1: Mine comes next week, maybe. Um, My Noddle's fucking killing it, guys. <sighs> Should we talk about that? I really like it. Just the Noddle Dojo's. Just...
0: No, no, no. The, uh, what, what was dropped in the Noddle group the other day?
1: Oh, someone had their Noddle Dojo open by customs. Yeah. US, U.S. Customs. They, yeah. like, put a big tape over it.
0: Yeah, and apparently there were some screws loose. There was obvious uh, fingerprint wiping going on.
1: Yeah, but the, it doesn't look like the case had been opened. I don't know.
0: I would throw that thing out.
1: The screws that were loose were... Uh, the screws that were loose were the... They hold the internals in the frame. Like yeah, it's, I still don't trust sc- it. The screws aren't for opening the... Uh, the hard
0: drive, hard drive.
1: Yeah, interesting. I mean, look, this is uh, a, if they want to plan something on you, they're not going to put tape over it. But you should just like kind of assume that when th- things get, get shipped, that they that they might get compromised in transit and take uh, precautions. Yeah, that's why I um, think. But Keto's on this one, and he's and <laughs> I, I know Evan is helping helping out. Evan Kaloudis is helping out uh, to to look through the device and. And you know, just double check everything. Yeah,
0: no, and it brings up an interesting conversation. Like, is this dedicated hardware going to be um, more as commonplace as it now in the future, or are we going to sort of pivot to more common purpose hardware that you then turn into a Bitcoin node? I
1: mean, yeah, I I think I think you know, multi-purpose hardware is nice for that reason. I think multi-sig helps. You know, with a lot of this stuff, like, if, you are, if you're keeping your keys not on the Dojo, but you're keeping it on hardware wallet, right, then it doesn't matter as much. And if it's on multiple hardware wallets with different brands, then it doesn't matter as much. And if you're able to buy them in person stuff with cash, it doesn't matter as much. But, like, right now, like, what, you can run a node by getting a Raspberry Pi, all this stuff from Amazon, Um if you're a known Bitcoiner and you're getting Raspberry Pi and SSDs and everything shipped to your fucking house, like does that really improve that threat model that much? No, I don't think so. You know, they know what you're probably using it for. Uh, like if, if you're worried about like the. US government coming after you, like they can fuck your shit up, like, where you know you're using an Apple computer or whatever. Uh, hope yeah. iCloud's not on.
0: <laughs> I hope my FBI inform- my FBI agent who watches over me. So Just like be nice. I, be nice to me. I'm a good guy.
1: I think you know, I'm a good guy. Yeah. I I could see why if they didn't have any idea what was in that package, why they would, you know, could possibly be suspicious you like a a lot of it in a box. Yeah. Yeah. <clears Let's throat> open it up.
0: Um Yeah. A lot of heavy, a uh, lot of heavy news this week, a lot of state uh, affronts coming on. This
1: is just like some random border patrol Joe, you know. <laughs> I don't think. We'll see if it heats up if there's more.
0: Yeah. Um, Speaking of heating up, uh, the Lightning Network series that BitMEX Research has been putting on is still heating up. They dropped a part seven of their um, Lightning Network series uh, two days ago and basically uh, broke down the proportion of public versus private channels, and they're estimating that around 28% of all channels are private channels on the Lightning Network.
1: That's not really that helpful for us, right?
0: uh i don't think so i
1: mean what do you mean like do we they didn't make a guess on capacity they're not saying that private channels are 28 percent of capacity right yes just channel just overall channels. channel count so like how big are the do we think private channels are smaller in general probably right
0: i don't know i i don't know
1: i mean the routing nodes tend to put big ass channels between each other yeah right? <laughs> no
0: and this was another uh tangent here on like uh, the amount of bitcoin l- locked in lightning and a lot of the east stands who Fuck like to, who like to point to the amount of bitcoin uh locked in what's called rap btc or imbtc uh
1: they're trusted third parties though oh
0: let's go over it so there, there's a lot of the east stands while out there i'll be like oh look at how much more bitcoin is locked up in wrapped ETH and then Then Lightning, and then Matt just made a good point. There's a lot of trusted third parties there. A lot of these DeFi apps can get shut down because they're pretty centralized.
1: Wrapped BTC is legitimately a trusted third party. They hold the Bitcoin, and then they give you a token. Yes. It's like Tether for Bitcoin.
0: That, and then... So, many points here. One, easily gamed. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, rich Ethereans like Lubin and others are just pumping these stats, and it's easy to be like, look at how much Bitcoin's locked in here. Very easy. Two... Uh, the purpose for locking Bitcoin in these different products is completely different. Lightning Network, Bitcoin locked in Lightning Network is used for utility, not to sh- to chase yield. With which a lot of this wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum is just used to take advantage of the ARB opportunities on these DeFi apps, which will uh, which will become less and less if they ever scale up. Right. Um, so again, it's a bad comparison.
1: Well, people are also chasing yield, right? If we expect Lightning Network to work full time. Yeah, but not in the way
0: you're not like You're getting
1: routing fees. Routing fees, but yeah, it's very very little yield. Right now it's no yield. Yes. There's no yield. But theoretically there should be some yield, right? Yeah,
0: there will be in the future, but it's not like you're loaning your Bitcoin and getting yield on that. This or something whole like obsession
1: that. with trying to lock up as much fucking money as possible is like the weirdest fucking Ethereum obsession. Yeah, it's a bad comparison, um, man. No, it's it's pumper playbook is like what it is. It's let's lock up as much funds as possible. And then we can pump up this illiquid piece of shit. Exactly. Right. And, and we saw it happen with the Dow first. The only way to get into the Dow was ETH and it got locked up as soon as it went in and then got hacked as soon as the lockup ended. But, uh, <laughs> so people were buying ETH and they were moving it into the Dow and they couldn't sell it. Right. So they were just drawing up supply. All the ETH that was getting bought was getting locked up. And then, that blew up in their face. And then all the ICOs happened and those all got locked up. Right. And then they pumped the price even further. Um, and now they're in this crater and they're like, all they can think is the same old bullshit. They're like, let's lock up as much as possible. Yeah. And then they got the parody multi-sig, which is locked up forever (laughs) because they can't access it.
0: Yeah. It's very low level thinking.
1: It's, it's pumper mentality. Yeah. It, 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 you know, and then, of course, with with lightning, we also have these private channels. Um, oh, so that's the meme, like. Ooh. It's nice to see that BitMEX is looking into it. They think twenty eight percent of channels. Um, I would like some, uh, and Taproot should make this analysis uh, way more difficult, if not impossible. Um, but I would like to see some you know chain analysis of 2 of 2 multisig cuz who no one's using 2 of 2 multisig besides lightning green so, address yeah just green wallet yeah like that's not that many people how many could that really be i don't know best wallet on iphone uh and is you know up there with samurai on best Android. wallet but
0: probably not the most downloaded
1: yeah i mean it doesn't really show up the seo for it fucking sucks Blockstream Green, what the hell is that? It doesn't even say Bitcoin in the name. <laughs> What's the number
0: one when you saw, it like Bitcoin.com and Bread? It's or like the, the top worst two wallets. wallets.
1: Are all if you search it, it's horrible. Do us a favor, go into your app store of choice, search for either Samurai or Green Wallet, search for Breeze, search for Phoenix Wallet, which is that's only Android, um, and go give them five stars, give them a nice review, download it if you haven't, you know, try it out. Yeah,
0: no, that's uh it's an attack factor. Not an attack vector, but it's uh it's not a tact It's, not an attack. An attack it's not an attack vector. It's a it's a way to mislead people pretty easily.
1: It's just easier to market things unethically than ethically.
0: That's a very good point. Um speaking of ethics, Proton Mail. Uh, this has nothing to do with ethics, I just need to say way. Proton mail and VPN <laughs> has been oh, maybe it Fuck is your ethics. has uh, been blocked in Russia.
1: What's cool about this story, well, first of all, I don't really like Proton Mail. People love it. Uh, it's privacy focused mail and VPN. Uh, they do like light KYC on people, which I don't like, uh, just seems kind of honey potty. Uh, they make some like really massive claims. So I actually like a competitor to dot as my mail. And I like Molvad.net um, as my VPN. And I, I'm not, um, there's no, there, there's no sponsorship there or anything. Um, what's interesting <laughs> about this? Pro- there should be though. So all that, icing. all that. Um, the and you have to keep in mind with all these VPNs, your traffic is going through their servers, so you're trusting them um, instead of trusting your ISP. You're trusting them with your unencrypted traffic. Uh, so be aware of that. You know, most important things should, you should be using Tor, which isn't perfect, but is a lot better trust profile. So ProtonMail you can still access through Tor. And I thought it was important to bring this situation up because ProtonMail, um, basically, I guess like the excuse that the Russian government is using is that someone um, sent a bomb threat with a ProtonMail email address, and ProtonMail is not willing to give up information they have on the user, so they block the whole thing. But the Russians could easily make that up. This is how you pigeonhole services you don't like, encryption services you don't like, you... You say it's terrorists. You say it's criminals. Um, so that happened, but you can still access it through Tor. And this is why it's so important for people to be able to run Bitcoin nodes through Tor. Like you can't run an Ethereum node through Tor. Um, if Bitcoin Cash SV was ever a fucking successful, you wouldn't be able to run one of those through Tor. And and once you hit that point, then you can't privately run a node. Then the whole network is compromised.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's something to be aware of. Uh, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to our, our f- uh, Russian freaks out there who are affected by this. Download Tor browser. Download Tor browser. There but are
1: alternatives. Consider running Tor th- through a VPN because uh, then your ISP only knows you're using a VPN. They don't know you're using Tor. And also, also interesting. Uh,
0: disclaimer, like... Uh, know your risk profile you'll you'll be putting yourself i imagine
1: uh, oh yeah be extra you know that's why i I even said it like some places like i but i i think russia if you run tour you're good but don't you know not a lawyer not a
0: not a russian uh, not uh not very abreast on 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 how uh aggressive they can see
1: you're running tour and if you run a vpn they can see you're running a vpn they just don't know what they presumably don't know what the traffic is inside of there yeah
0: um Another thing, you can track internet censorship in real time right now, explorer.ooni.org. That's pretty cool. I was taking a look at this earlier.
1: This is awesome. Um, and so. you can contribute back to it with this software they call the probe uh, where you run it on your computer or your phone and it, it can tell when you're getting censored and update the site.
0: Yeah, so it's a good way to crowdsource uh, the ability to point out when governments are censoring the internet. It's pretty cool. I've uh, got that link in the show notes as well
1: um but like see literally everything we talk about on this fucking show should have that warning that marty just gave you guys so yeah like no, with the probe who knows either i don't know you know look into that probe thing before yeah. you run that on your on your phone
0: yeah here's a cool incentive to to earn some bitcoin map the world and win Bitcoin. Um, starting this week, we're making a weekly contest <laughs> more exciting by awarding Bitcoin to the top three streak cred players in the world. Whoever drops the most cubes on the global map will win .02 Bitcoin. It's uh, 2 million Satoshis.
1: Or 20- Shout out Moneyball for putting this on our radar.
0: Yeah. Uh, Runner-up will get a million Satoshis. and third place, will get uh, 500,000. So, I guess.
1: Sats. Uh, I like sats better than Satoshis. Sats.
0: Sats. Um, so, this is a game. Uh, StreetCred.co.
1: It is like open map data. Yeah. 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 Um, So
0: if you're looking to earn some Bitcoin out there, earn some stats, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to be mapped out.
1: It's pretty cool that you can incentivize a global community with global digital money. Distributed
0: money. It's uh, it's a great use case. Yeah. Uh, Utility uh, coming to the fore here.
1: I dig it. Um,
0: Oh, this one hurts me personally as a Philadelphian?
1: Did you see someone ask what a Wawa was? Oh, I like I didn't respond. I was like, someone got more triggered than me. I'm gonna let them respond. Yeah.
0: So if you're from the Philadelphia area, uh, you know what Wawa is. If you're not, Wawa is a staple uh, within the tri-state area, South it's like Jersey. The whole East Coast, right? Yeah, they're down in they Florida have, now.
1: They've 800 stores. Yeah, that were all compromised. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Wawa, their proof of sale uh, systems were compromised. Proof of sale. Point of sale, their point of sale Um, uh, systems were compromised. I guess they're running a proprietary system, and yeah, thirty million plus customer credit cards
1: there for like the last. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm fucked.
1: Yeah, so their convenience store gas station—it's like the one of the best gas. Don't,
0: don't you dare call it a convenience store. Wawa, Daswa, as we like to call (laughs) it. it's
1: One of the best gas stations on the East Coast.
0: Well, it's not—they're not all gas stations. Daswa, two hundred aren't. It's a great place for Philadelphians. Philadelphians meet to get their coffee in the morning, get a little breakfast sandwich, a hash brown. It's a convenience store. It is, but it's It's more than that. Corporate Bodega. It's more Mm -hmm. than that, all right? It's a a place where people meet before they go to work. They talk. They shoot the shit. They make their coffee.
1: They get their credit card compromised. They get their credit card (laughs) compromised.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, it's a a shame that Wawa had to uh, be subjected to this, but yes. So why
1: I shared this isn't because Bitcoin fixes this, which it doesn't really. I mean, it's a push system. So at least your credit card information can't get sold on the dark market for Bitcoin and uh, and be used uh, against you. So at least you have that advantage with Bitcoin is that it is a push system. Um, but your privacy can be compromised in this situation. And if you imagine that this retailer also had to take some light KYC information or light KYC was, KYC was taken somewhere else that was connected to these addresses... If they access this database and you had bought a coffee, the proverbial coffee that everyone loves to buy with Bitcoin um, at this Wawa and they compromised that and got your address, then they could just... Look at your change. All your past future transactions, open book, man.
0: Well, if it was lightning, wouldn't it be the same case?
1: uh, Yeah, it depends how much information... uh, Wawa keeps on there. Well, that's a good segue into the next topic. But Yeah. Lightning should help. That's I, I bullets on lightning for that reason. I, I, it's not there yet, but we're getting closer. But, um, did you segue
0: into lightning with the lightning torch? You want to, you want to make a PSA about that? Did you see my PSA? Yeah. About you're going to dox your node, right?
1: Yeah. This was the issue I had with the lightning torch the first time around. And now that it's coming around a second time. Um, so I actually, (laughs) I get a lot of shit. Uh, for the when I accepted the torch last time I used blue wallet um and then I sent for my own node to Jack uh and the reason was is because the receiver has way to worse privacy in this situation because if you post your invoice you docks your pub key uh and your pub key identifies what your lightning node is right and then if you're not running through Tor it also shows your IP address um so it's just something to be aware of. It's like you're posting this is... When you post an invoice on Twitter, it's like you're posting this is my... My um, node. My node. And it's connected to this Twitter account. Um, so just something to keep in mind. When I passed the torch this time around, what I did was... Um, yeah, so Jack doxed his node to us, by the way, last year. Uh, when I did it this time, I had people send me PGP encrypted DMs Our with the base. invoice. Um, Well, I have my key hosted at Keybase. And so the easiest way to do it is Keybase has like a built-in browser tool where you can do it through there. But like obviously that's not the most private way of doing it because what if Keybase has got shit embedded or I don't know. Yeah. Um, Like you ideally wouldn't do it in a browser. You would actually use GPG or something. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, Keybase isn't in a browser. It's an app.
1: Yeah, but there's like – so because if you host your PGP key – first of all, shout out to all the freaks – that have been DMing me using PGP. Um, it is definitely more of a pain in the ass than non-encrypting, but it's I really appreciate it. It's really fun. It's fantastic. Um, second of all, with Keybase, it makes it really easy uh, to send a message that's PGP encrypted, even if you don't know what PGP is, because you can just, like on keybase.io slash Matt O'Dell, you can just press send encrypted message, And you just type it into this browser form And then it pops out an encrypted thing That you can, encrypted blob That you can then paste wherever you want to paste it So they make it like really fucking easy Keep in mind, I can't respond in an encrypted fashion Unless your Twitter also has a linked PGP I like need your PGP key if I'm gonna do it So either if you have it linked Or if you send me a DM and you want me to respond with PGP Just give me your your public key Um... In that same message, you know, when you send it to me,
0: yeah, it seems like people are are beginning to wise up with this stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't think like PGP will never have mainstream adoption, but hey, we can uh, we can hope. You could also just message me on Keybase; that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, that works too. Um, we're, we're burning the midnight oil here. We're already an hour in. Uh, more. Uh,
1: have you ever used a vest?
0: I have not, but more third-party data leaks. So, Avast is a antivirus uh, software. One of the
1: most popular free Windows ones.
0: Yes, I don't. I haven't used Windows in years, so yeah. I've not used this at all.
1: I've like installed it on family computers and stuff. <laughs> really?
0: So they're selling people uh, your your uh, browsing information to third parties. It seems.
1: So if you're using Windows, which is you know, unfortunately, you should stop using Windows. But if you continue to use Windows uh M- malware bytes is is pretty good um you have to pay for it if you want in real time but uh you don't have to pay for it if you just do checks every once in a while Mal- malware bytes i really like that uh, fuck avast fuck norton it's pretty crazy how these antivirus companies have practically become the virus themselves right um and then we have ring doorbell which is a similar situation uh with third-party trackers on on is, the phone app
0: this is on the android app specifically right
1: what, was it non iPhone app?
0: Am, uh, I'm not sure. The FF. I'm mean, pull up the article. I don't
1: know. Just assume the Ring doorbell. Everything about it is yeah. fucking spying on you. Throw it's just it an out. Ultimate spy tool. <laughs> I don't even know. I just put it in here to dunk on Ring. Yeah. <laughs> this
0: is only. This is only the Android app. Um,
1: just wanted to dunk on Ring. Yeah. Just throw them out. Stop
0: spying on yourself.
1: Always good to dunk on. They're them.
0: just sending that straight to your to your FBI informant. Is watching over your every move. <laughs> All right. He's seen you jerk off. You shouldn't jerk off, all right? Porn's weird. Well if you want to, you can. Yeah, really you can care. jerk off. I'm kidding.
1: It depends on your country, as Marty said. You gotta be careful, you know. Yeah,
0: be careful. Be careful wherever you are. Um, some countries frown upon jerking off more than others. Uh, this is something we should have talked about last week, but it completely slipped our mind. The big big cash mining tax proposal.
1: It was funny because we talked about it for like a cumulative Eight minutes on the pod with Matt and Val, but it was never like actually talking about it. It was just like snipes. Yeah, just would, it would just be like it. random snipes would just happen.
0: So I mean, I, don't, I actually don't think they're going to go through with it.
1: Introduce? Why aren't they going to go through with it, Marty? Because we found out this today. Uh, I don't know why. Because Roger pulled out. Did he? Yeah, uh, Roger. They're so decentralized. Roger. <laughs> Roger pulled out. And now it's not going to happen.
0: Yes, yeah, so they. Uh, there was a proposal for twelve and a half percent mining. Tax uh, any any block that was mined would send twelve percent of the reward to a uh, Hong Kong uh, entity that would then uh, distribute the funds for uh, development.
1: So the majority of Bitcoin Cash hash rate is controlled by Bitmain and, and Roger. Yeah, Bitmain and Bitcoin and then there's a little bit that's also being um, allegedly mined by Calvin of. Bitcoin Cash SV and what he's doing is he's mining it and then selling it for SV. Um, both SV and Bcash have like a negligible SHA-256 hash rate. So they should theoretically have been attacked by now.
0: Cumulatively, they are under like 4% or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they
1: have nothing. They can get attacked at any fucking point. Um, but they haven't. For whatever reason, miners don't think it's worth the opportunity cost. Um, or maybe they don't think it's a big enough threat either. So they, it hasn't happened. Yeah, and it's... Um,
0: and saying stay, on like the B cash mining, there was like five hours between blocks today. Uh, yeah, at I some mean, point, it's
1: just a, it's a joke of a chain. So some theories are that this twelve. So the idea is with this twelve and a half percent proposal, you know, one of the big pools came comes out says um, all blocks that get mined after this date in springtime, sometime in springtime, um, has to pay twelve and a half percent of the reward to this corporation in Hong Kong um and that will go into development for the chain and if you don't this we're a blocks are gonna get orphaned yeah we're a group of big miners and we will just not include any blocks or mine that don't pay that that tax um and this is exactly why uh it's why it's important to run your own node and it's why it's important that mining distribution continues because um, otherwise you end up in these super... This is not decentralized. This is not distributed at all. This is a super centralized miner cabal that's uh, dictating the rules.
0: But they're the real Bitcoin, dude.
1: <laughs> they're not the real Bitcoin.
0: Um, yeah, so be aware. That's that's out there. That's so a-
1: then Roger says he's not going to do it, so now they might not fucking do it. Um, and then they have this whole th- bullshit theory. Uh, but should we talk about this bullshit theory about that all the miners are paying for it? That everyone pays the twelve and a half percent.
0: This was Hasu, right?
1: No, this is what they said. Oh, what? This is how they pitched it.
0: Hasu said it would affect all SHA256 yeah, miners. Where right? He
1: was, you know, he was going further from what they said. Mm-hmm. It was their theory. Yeah. Um, because it immediately affects mining profitability and a. Uh, rational sha 256 miners should be swapping chains you know based on profitability and whatever.
0: that's that's a very terrible assumption to make because yeah, i don't think the sunk the cost of making those switches and refiguring your miners a lot of people like matt's talked about matt corrales talked about this on the episode we just recorded with him like a lot of miners are dumb they just want to plug things in not like they're not dumb like imbeciles they're like, dumb they just want to do the least amount of work like they just want to plug their things in and not worry about it and just get a stream of bitcoin like
1: yeah they don't want to get shitcoin, coin you know yeah
0: thinking that they're going to actively be switching between chains is, is uh, a bit of a pipe dream
1: if miners were completely rational they would have attacked bitcoin cash and bitcoin cash SV already yeah um, so yeah i i look and if and if they were if they were to end up being right and it was it was starting to hurt Bitcoin miners, like, you'd expect attacks to happen. Yeah, exactly. Which would make sure that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, don't, They'll just uh, be reorgs.
0: Yeah, don't, do uh... Don't ruffle the feathers of, of the people yeah, making real money.
1: Don't fuck with their wallets. Final topic here.
0: Dropped right before we hit record. Huge! Our boy Jack Maulers announced a uh, lightning strike. Love the, uh... Love the lightning, uh... More puns. We got here. more puns, puns here. here. So this is fucking dope. You can go straight from... So you, it's a separate app from Zap... Ellen strike, Ellen underscore strike on Twitter. Uh, you download it, connect your bank account, and it's basically you don't ever have to buy Bitcoin or have Bitcoin to pay Bitcoin invoices on the Lightning, Lightning Network. Any Lightning invoice you can yeah. buy.
1: So, like, imagine a situation where you, you're a podcaster. This is an easy one for us to imagine. And you're deplatformed. So instead of Patreon, you start accepting Bitcoin, but none of your listeners know what Bitcoin is. You just tell them, download the Strike app connect Connect it to your bank account or debit card and then just pay the invoice
0: yeah it's crazy like he made it the qr codes compatible with his app like you scan it goes straight from your his his example was chase uh straight from his chase account uh to uh, a paid invoice and that's i think that's gonna be huge like if you if you have people who don't need to have bitcoin first who are able to interact with bitcoin
1: So, what was your first thought on the negative side
0: um
1: and I'll tell you why I'm going from there.
0: Uh, first thought on the negative side. Uh, I just see Chase being like, eh, I don't like this.
1: Chargebacks and fraud. Ah, uh, there we go. Right? So I, I reached out to him uh, directly because we were about to record. Um, and I was like, how are you going to deal with chargebacks and fraud risk? Um, and so there are, like, there's going to be, like, limits in place, like, certain limits and, like, risk scoring and stuff like that. Uh, and, like, there is obviously... He, he knows who his customers are um, because it doesn't look like there's going to be explicit KYC, but like you're paying with a debit card, you're paying with a bank account. Um, yeah, so they're going to have like different like risk score elements. But that was like my immediate, my immediate concern is because that's why you don't see a lot of these, uh, like that's why Cash App was actually really surprising in the beginning. How, and that's how they do it. They do it a similar way, but they actually take like explicit KYC, full KYC and stuff like that. But they do like risk scoring to decide if you buy like $20 on Cash App, you can just withdraw it right away. There's very little delay.
0: Yeah. I actually helped my uh, my doorwoman buy uh, Bitcoin on the Cash App today. I was very proud.
1: Did she already have Cash App installed? Yes, she did. That's the coolest part is that they already have the app she installed. She didn't know
0: anything about the Bitcoin on it. I was yeah. like, swipe over here. She was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go buy lotto tickets. I was like, stop buying lotto tickets.
1: And it gives it more legitimacy, too. Right. Because that is just in the app. Yeah, that's the easiest sell ever. Like, this is the better lottery ticket. Yeah. Because lottery tickets are just such a bad <laughs> Just investment. burning money. But Strike looks fucking badass. I fucking love I love Jack's uh his videos are always amazing. They're all they get me pumped up. He gave a <laughs> shout out to Jamie Diamond at the end. Yeah. Jack
0: fucking You're my boy. Fucking love that dude. Uh again, pushing the ball forward. And that's what I love about what Jack's doing. He just head down and will just come out of nowhere and be like, Look at this product I made never tease it never never pump everybody up before he just produces and then releases it into the world which is the type of building i like to see
1: yeah and i mean he showed it on there too like you can uh you can also use it to stack sets because you can just
0: create your own lightning invoice and send it to yourself
1: it's probably this is like one of the interesting things like it's almost could be more private to receive it to uh Either one of these semi-custodial wallets, like the Phoenixes or the Breeze, uh, where th- they're opening a channel to you and it's on your phone and it's uh, through their node uh, or custodial, and then after that, moving it to your own stash, because then, like as we said earlier, uh, Jack, uh, you know, Strike knows uh the the pub key of the node it's paying because of the invoice yes, you gotta keep that in mind definitely keep that in mind. you think that will get
0: um that all that uh privacy attack factor will get flushed out in the future, what is that mean? something we're always gonna have to deal with exposing pub keys
1: I'm like kind of concerned about it more uh and it like because of the key send, yeah. Like there, you're just giving, at least it's more blatant, obvious. Yeah, they're up front with the,
0: yeah, up front with it.
1: Yeah. But uh, it's just something to keep in mind that no one really talks about. Uh, There's a good site, lightningdecoder.com. Encoder? Decoder. Decoder. And you can put a lightning invoice in there, and you can see what information's in the lightning invoice. Interesting. So, like a fun way to learn. Yeah. Uh, Um, So check that out.
0: Lightningdecoder.com.
1: Yeah, decoder. Lightning decoder. All right. We're, um, we're an hour and 10 in. I have a couple of things I wanted to touch on as well. Uh, thank you to everyone who reached out about Bitcoin Citadel Workshop. Um, it looks like we do have a space secured thanks to the Flatiron School. That's flatironschool.com. Um, be really close to the conference. March 26th, 11 to 2 p.m. Um, details of that should be released on Twitter shortly. Uh, just getting the BTC pay node up and ready to go. Uh, So you should come to that There's only going to be 30 people We only have space for 30 people We really can't do more than that anyway Because it's very hands-on Cold card um, Using the cold card with your own node with Wasabi um, That's the workshop uh, And then Open Dime Correction It does have a secure element um, Obviously, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking on that one um, But yeah, it has a secure element That's how you can tell it's genuine Listen yeah, yeah. Our dad over there, Rodolfo. And Rodolfo reached out to me. He's like, I meant listening. Like I'm listening now. He's like, I don't know. I read it like you're a disappointed father. <laughs> um, so that's a good correction. And then Bitcoin 2020, which is where the Bitcoin Citadel workshops happening, is they're about to raise the prices. Right now, it's two hundred dollars, one fifty if you pay with Bitcoin. Seems like a pretty good price to me. Last year was great. It's going to be a blowout. You know, come, go to the Citadel workshop bitcoin 2020 so just keep in mind if you haven't bought a ticket they're about to go up in price so
0: yeah and if you're in london this weekend uh the advancing bitcoin conference is going to be there too if you're putzing around looking for something to do and that'll be going on and there's some very high quality speakers at that uh, event as well that's all we got this week freaks it's been a good one from coronavirus to conferences
1: yeah stay safe out stay <laughs> safe out there freaks peace and love